Hello, we are back with the Under the Lights podcast. We've taken a little bit of a uh, hiatus for a number of reasons, but now seems as good a time as any for us to uh, bring a bit of content, uh, restart the podcast, and, uh, and really give you guys and us something to do during this period of time. My name is Callum Wilson. My name's Tom Murray, and this is Under the Lights. Yes, so we are back after quite a while since our last episode, but as Callum said, it's a better time than uh, than any to uh, get some football content when there's certainly not a lot going on. Obviously, uh, we're currently in lockdown, staying indoors. The, uh, the NHS are doing a heroic effort at the moment, but the weather's been all right, so it's making it a bit more bearable. Um, yes, yeah, it's a difficult time for everyone, and, uh, and we've been watching a few uh, fans a few uh, Super Sunday and, and Sky Sports old football matches, but nothing's nothing's like uh, nothing beats talking about the real thing. Um, we haven't got a lot to talk about right now, obviously, so it may seem uh, a strange time for us to to bring this back. But actually, I think it's as good a time as any because uh, you know, a lot of people out there, including myself, looking for things to listen to um, and to occupy ourselves. And if we haven't got any football to watch, then uh, why not talk about some some hypotheticals? Absolutely, and obviously no football going on at the moment. One thing that was going to happen before football got stopped was that the Premier League Hall of Fame. Now, that's what we're going to be discussing in today's episode. Um, we're going to try and get some more episodes out over the coming weeks whilst we are all staying at home with some different topics. So if you have any ideas, any particular things you want discussing, then you, know, you can contact uh, both Callum and I on Twitter, on our, our Twitter handles, mine is at T214Murray. Yeah, mine is at Carlos21. Um, for anyone who, who listened to us when we started this uh, towards the beginning of last season, uh, we talk all things football, all things Saints, um, and in a nutshell, that means that this podcast essentially talks about uh, mostly the Premier League, a number of uh, things going on topically in football and then we uh, we've got a little section called Kingsland Corner where we discuss uh, all things Southampton Football Club that is the team that me and Tom support we both do um, a bit of uh, audio description commentary at St Mary's Stadium um, obviously not right now so uh, for anyone who's who's new to this or, or needed their um, <clears throat> needed a bit of a refresher that's what this podcast is about we're just going to try and bring a bit of light to, uh, to people's days and talk about things that maybe other people aren't talking about. Absolutely. So, as we said, today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Premier League Hall of Fame. Callum and I are going to go through our top 10 Premier League players of all time. This was due to happen before football got stopped, but there was actually uh, going to be a ceremony in the induction into the Hall of Fame. That got cancelled. We're going to go through our lists and uh, if you're, if you want to do the same as you go along, if you have any particular players that you disagree with, or you uh, maybe agree with their play, the, their inclusion in the list, but not uh, their position, then please do le- leave a comment. Um, so, Callum, should we uh, should we start off with num before we start off with uh, number ten? What kind of uh, way are we going to characterise this? What kind of things are we looking for in our Premier League top ten? four things that we're looking at because we, you can talk about who just are the best players and it's very difficult to come up with a format in which we can, uh, we can try and rank all these great footballers but um, we're going to we're gonna base it on four things um, trophies number one um, statistics for, for the players number two and then uh, the impact that they had on the Premier League on football uh, on their teams um, and then also talent being the, the fourth one. And the way that we'll do this is uh, Tom's got a top 10, I've got a top 10, and what we'll do is we'll just alternate. Uh, Tom, you can start with, with number 10, I'll do number 9, and so on and so forth. And we'll we'll mention uh, the, the players that maybe we might have had or maybe missed out, but we'll come up with a top 10 uh, in that way. And, and at the end of it, come up with the top two. Um, that would be our choices to be the first two inductees into the Hall of Fame when it eventually happens. So, without fur- further ado, let's get this uh, show on the road. So, at number 10, um, 
I'd be surprised, actually, if there were a high number of defenders in the top 10 because it's a case of a lot of people will look at attackers, they'll look at midfielders because that's where games uh, games are won. But on good, solid defenders, on world-class defenders, you can build those championship-winning sides. And I've gone for um, the Arsenal centre-back, Sol Campbell. Now, he's won three Premier Leagues. He's been in three PFA Team of the Year's. And obviously he was part of the Arsenal side that were the Invincibles. And whilst they had leading players in that squad, I think it was his presence at the back that really sort of, it kept them from defeat. And obviously he showed over the many years at Arsenal just what a quality centre-back he has been. Um, Yeah, that's not one that I have as a top ten or um or really considered. Um he won so when, when did he win his three uh, was he there in ninety wasn't there in ninety eight was he when they won the first first one? I believe maybe he was more of a squad player at that point, but he's definitely was there for the uh, the invisible season and of course the uh, I believe it was the two thousand and one, two thousand and two um yeah. uh Vic um yeah, that he was integral. So maybe for the first, he's, he certainly got the medal for the uh, for the third for for the uh, for, for those three Premier League titles. But um, for he may not he may have been a bit more of a bit part player. But uh, for those latter two, he was actually integral to the side and one of the main reasons I believe that they did manage to do the the unthinkable and go undefeated for the entire season. Um, huge thing to have on, on the CV. I, I hadn't personally thought of Sol Campbell. Uh, a couple of defenders uh, have made it into my sort of, into my thinking, into my sort of top twelve maybe, but Sol Campbell uh, wasn't one of them. I only have one defender in my top ten, and I think um, that might be a way in which a lot of people's top tens and, and also the Hall of Fame goes because the goal scorers and the and the sort of talismanic. Um, players, the flair players tend to get the recognition, the stats are the ones with the goals and the assists and, and all of those things. But like you said, three three PFA uh, team of the years and, and invincible. Um, I always felt that he performed on an international level. I know this is specifically based on the Premier League, so any international or cup competitions um, are null and void for our rankings. But just the calibre of player that Sol Campbell was... Um, I'm still surprised that he would make it into a top ten, but like you said, he's uh, he's he's won a number of, of titles, um, impacted that team, and and he's obviously a, a very good centre back. Um, onto <clears throat> onto ninth place, uh, the most difficult part of this, I have I had myself a top eight, um, and then I had three players that I had to try and find two positions for um, ninth, tenth, and then someone to miss out. And those three players were um, Dennis Bergkamp, Didier Drogba and Eric Cantona. Um, and uh, it took me a long time to try and separate these. I've ended up going in ninth place for um, King Eric Cantona, um, Manchester United legend, really led the way for their success and was one of the main, or if not the main player, as that formidable uh, class of 92 was coming through. The only reason he doesn't make it higher in my list is because he, he, he wasn't around in the Premier League um, for that long. Although he got he was PFA Player of the Year, um, he won four Premier League titles, but just in terms of longevity, would have been uh, interesting to see him stick around for a lot longer. But just mainly talent and impact two of the things that I've, I've been judging this on. I mean, the, the impact that he had on Manchester United Football Club, those young future stars, but also the um, the Premier League and football in general. I mean, he, he played probably just before I was old enough to, to kind of appreciate it. So we've only seen documentaries and, and the highlights and, you know, those, those goals and that chip and celebration and all those things. But, um, still, still strong enough and 
iconic enough, really, to um, to make it into the top ten on my list. And he, he brought that character to the Premier League as well. And there's enough to say there's some bits that I, I completely agree with his inclusion in the top in, in the top ten. He's an absolutely fantastic player. Individual quality, uh, technical ability was absolutely fantastic. But he also brought that extra bit of spice to the league. Um, well, of course, there was the wrong reason of his attack on that Crystal Palace fan that a lot of people will remember him for. But they'll also remember him for, as you said, the audacious chip into the top corner and then the celebration as if to say, yep, that's just a normal bread and butter stuff for me. Um, He certainly brought that element of just arrogance in a way. But of course, since his retirement, he's shown that he is quite the character. And, um, but as we said, the talent was absolutely fantastic. So he's going in place for number nine. Now, Number eight, I, I said at the beginning that I'd be surprised if there were many defenders put in to our top ten. But at number eight, I've actually got myself another centre-back, another English centre-back, and that's Rio Ferdinand. Now, he's won six Premier Leagues. He's been in the Team of the Year six times, 504 Premier League appearances. It, he's a leader, and at Manchester United, for those Premier League victories, I mean, he went, to, he went from Leeds for the record English transfer and he showed why he was an he's, he's absolute rock at the back. I think that him and Nemanja Vidic, who I, I I think Vidic, he's not in my top 10, but he's certainly close to being thought about because the partnership that those two players had together, as, as I said with Sol Campbell, you build... You build games are won by the attackers and midfielders, but you bring championship winning sides. You build them on a solid defensive partnership. And I think Rio Ferdinand, he's just, when you think of a Manchester United defender, you think of Rio Ferdinand. That's the first player that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think you mentioned as well, Vidic, I think that is probably the best centre-back partnership in, in Premier League history. You could argue um, Adams and Bold, you could argue maybe Terry and Carvalho in, in, in that Mourinho uh, era. Um, yeah, for, for me, I think that was the best partnership. I, I, Rio Ferdinand wasn't um, in my thinking. I, I actually had in eighth place uh, my only defender, which is John Terry. Um, and the the other one I was considering was was Vincent Company, who didn't quite make it. But I think Rio, Rio Ferdinand um, and John Terry both. Uh, uh, yeah, you can have arguments for for fitting into the top ten and potentially the best centre-back in, in Premier League history um, without going into too much detail in, with, with John Terry because you've obviously chosen Rio Ferdinand but uh, John Terry was in the PFA Player of the Year he won, won five Premier League titles, he captained five Premier League winning sides which which no other player has um, managed to beat uh, the longevity and the, and the appearances like you said with Rio Ferdinand I think that's one of the main things Rio Ferdinand was there for a long time and he played for West Ham he played for Leeds when he got that big move and then he played for Man United and he's um, he's never played outside of the, of the Premier League he, he later went on to QPR and, and that, that was towards the tail end of his, of his career but a, a player with real leadership skills um, and, a, and a real ability to bring the ball out and a bit of a throwback for English football because I haven't had a centre-back before where Ferdinand um, maybe maybe someone likes Gareth Southgate but but since the since the uh, the earlier days and that Bobby Moore type of player <coughs> really um, renowned for his technical ability and he, he, he was he won trophies he's a winner you hear him as a pundit now and he still talks about um, football like a man who, who would do anything to win and I think he, he's a big part and a big reason for uh, Manchester United's success in the last 20 years I'm sorry and you mentioning uh, you mentioning John Terry uh, you think Ferdinand and Terry pa- partnership at the back for England and you're just thinking how on earth did England not win anything and in, in the time that they were there two of the best def- uh, two of the best defenders in the Premier League era and uh, England still couldn't get quite far in the international competitions. Yeah, I was trying to get, well, I actually read 
Palace and seeing the centre back some options today, saying that in, during a period of time in those um, in the mid noughties that uh, there were 16 combinations of centre backs, um, and you take any of them right now because you had you mentioned Campbell, you had uh, Carragher, Woodgate, uh, West Brown, Southgate towards the end of his career, Ledley King such a foray of defenders and it really speaks volumes for the likes of Ferdinand and John Terry to have made so many appearances both in the Premier League but also internationally um, so you can't really argue with either of those being in there um, did you have John Terry in your top 10 at all? John Terry was, was well John Terry actually appeared in ninth, ninth for me so the defenders are down at the bottom but I, I thought what what let I know, uh, pr- pretty much. Which was, uh, you know, I said at the beginning, I'd be surprised, but if 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 there were many, but I think what let I agree with everything you said about John Terry as well. He, when you think of a leader, you think of John Terry as well. Him at the back for Chelsea, absolutely fantastic, solid as a rock. And sometimes, whilst I believe he obviously he he does get in my top ten, I think he's not further up due to maybe some of the off-field antics that happened. Um, in his career, the the feud with Wayne Bridge stuff um, said to uh, Anton Ferdinand as well. He, he's a terrific player, but you know what you how you conduct yourself off the pitch as well is going to have an impact on how people are going to perceive you. And John Terry has always been, you know, someone he's almost like Marmite. You either love him or you hate him. And I know how cliche that sounds. dislike him but I think also for him to, to captain um, that team in amongst uh, he was there before the takeover and he was there pretty much to the end of his career and managers and players came and went but he stayed there um, somewhat similar to Ferdinand but anyway let's move away from the defenders now because now, um, now we can get into the uh, the more attacking players in, in seventh place I have got um, and he, he might be a little further down than a lot of people would go with, but based on the Premier League, and that's what we're talking about, I've got Steven Gerrard. Um, he was a fantastic football player. He was Mr Liverpool, um, but the fact of the matter is they never won a Premier League trophy, so I can't put him any higher than seventh with the players that I've got above him. Um, PFA Player of the Year, he... Uh, was in the team of the year eight times. No one's been in the Premier League team of the year more than Steven Gerrard. So he was always good enough to, to be in that team. And especially in centre midfield, when you think of the, the amount of amazing centre midfielders you've had in the Premier League during that period, he was always in the team of the year. He was so talented. But I think the major thing with Steven Gerrard was the impact that he had across all the competitions, but just on that Liverpool team, um, where they would have been Without him, uh, I, I don't think they'd, they'd want to think about, really. Um, he was 11th all-time in appearances. Um, you know, he scored a lot of goals from midfield as well and assists, but just his, his captaincy, his leadership and his ability to lead by example and get Liverpool to certain trophies and certain positions in the league that they probably shouldn't have in their squad um, is the reason he's in my top 10. A lack of a lack of Premier League winners' medal is the reason he's not any higher. Well, yeah, I, I I can't quite believe that he'd never got that Premier League medal. I mean, he obviously came so close, and then you know it sort of slipped away from him. Um, but it's he'd certainly be a lot higher if this list was on the quality of goals that he scored. Because if you think of Premier League goals of like all time, Stephen Jarrod has certainly got five or six that would be in, in maybe in like the top fifteen or something like that. But for me, you talk about his influence. I recently read the um, Peter Crouch's book, and there's a bit in it that says that he and Gerard and Carragher uh, were, were pretty much Gerard more so. But he was you had Rafa Benitez as the manager at the time, but Gerard Gerard was the manager on the pitch. He would dictate the play. He would in training, basically for a new signing such as Crouch what he'd do is he'd just ping the ball in to you as hard as you can as hard as he can and if you didn't get that first touch right then you know he could almost say nah this guy's not good enough 
and um, that shows what an influence he had on the club that for new recruits, if you can't trap that one, that first pass, then Gerard loses all hope with you. Then you know just how much of an impact and how much when you think of when you think of Liverpool of all time, you know, there's only a few people that come to your mind straight away and Gerard is probably one of the first. There aren't many players that are bigger, not bigger than the club, or bigger than the manager, and bigger than anyone else at the club. But if Stephen Gerrard was unhappy and was willing to leave the club based on the manager or a signing or anything else, you know for a fact that, that manager or that other signing would be out the door before before Gerrard would. Um, but I, I look, I look to you mentioned being the manager um, on the pitch. It was it was said to have been mostly Gerard that had, um, had the influence at half-time in Istanbul in that famous um, 2005 Champions League final that, that brought them back and obviously he scored the first goal. Also that FA Cup final in 2006 where he literally grabbed the team and took them to a penalty shootout. 2-0 um, down, 3-1 down I think, or 3-2 down to West Ham. Brought it back, but it's the Premier League that we're talking about and he didn't quite manage over a 38-game period to drag his Liverpool side uh, to the summit. Um, so who have you got in, in sixth? I mean, I, I've got... Steven Gerrard is the first of four centre midfielders that I've got. Um, spoiler alert, you can probably guess maybe who they are, but he's he's sort of seventh and then sixth, fifth and fourth are, are another um, three players in his position. Uh, I don't know about yourself. Well, I, I I think I'm in the same boat really because I think I I can guess what your uh, three or f- your your three centre midfielders are. It just depends on if we got them in the same order because uh, you know, yeah, the, these are iconic centre midfielders. And I think in number sixth, I've got Roy Keane, captain of Manchester United, a leader like Gerrard. He was like the the uh, the manager. Of, on the pitch, and um, there's actually one story with I think it's Gerard Piquet. Uh, one time when he was a youth product at Manchester United in the uh, in the dressing room, his phone went off, and Roy Keane just went absolutely uh, went absolutely crazy. Went quiet. Everyone was uh, really quite scared, and it was almost like a like a, like a teacher in a classroom where no one wants to own up to who's made the noise or who's thrown throwing the bit of paper at their back. But um, PK, you know, one of the best central defenders, probably one of the hardest people to rattle, even got rattled by Roy Keane, and that's what he did on the pitch. But in terms of statistics, you know, seven Premier League titles in the team of the year five times. He was actually in the team of the century between 1907 and 2007. Um, such a inspiration on the pitch for Manchester United when they had an absolute plethora of talented players at the centre dictating that was Roy Keane. And he, you know, you know, the uh, the saying in Sunday League of let them know you're there. Well, Roy Keane certainly let them know that he was there. That's a different um, ranking altogether. I've actually got him in sixth place, the same as you, um, based on the best um, players to to grace the Premier League. But he wasn't necessarily the the most um, talented. He was a fantastic player, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't as talented as Gerrard's or um, a couple of other midfielders. We'll, we'll go on to soon, but. But it was all about leadership and impact with Roy Keane. And um, you mentioned one story. For every one story, I think there's another 20 or 30 that um, that have come about recently. And uh, the fact is that I don't think anyone held such high standards for such a long time um, as you do at Manchester United. And mentioned Rio Ferdinand. He's talked about when he's gone into the club and um, Wayne Rooney and other players have gone in and, and it's just a completely different level at Manchester United and that was driven by Ferguson but also um, by Roy Keane. I've actually been reading um, over this bank holiday whilst the sun's been out Alex Ferguson's uh, autobiography and um, <clears throat> there's a story in there about Roy Keane. It was actually in a chapter about Wayne Rooney but somehow Roy Keane managed to 
two can get in that one. And they were um, they were doing a, a training match, um, might be the five aside, six aside, something like that. And the the coaches had to referee, um, and Roy Keane was going off on one at absolutely everybody um, to the point where what the coach who was um, he was refereeing it turned around to to Lex Ferguson and said, oh, "I hope." hope Roy's team wins today because he doesn't want to take any more of, of that from him and uh, at one point they even considered bringing in actual officials just for their training games to be able to deal with the likes of Keane but what, what, what you want what you had I think he brought the best out of those players around him in Manchester United and I think he gave them the freedom um, in his position to do what they did going forward he would sit back I mean he was brilliant at passing that ball through the lines and it rattled the ball into the feet um, of of the centre forwards. But also, if you were going into battle, the amount of times they went into battle with with Arsenal and they might have been bullied by the likes of Patrick Vieira, but you had Roy Keane there and you always knew that he would back you. Um, and and on the other hand, you also knew that if you didn't perform, that you had to go back um, and deal with not only Fergie but Roy Keane. I think he just he'd be my best captain of all time in the Premier League um, and he's won seven Premier League medals for, for someone who maybe isn't as known for his ability he was a PFA player of the year uh, in the Premier League and only John Terry's actually captain more Premier League winning sides than Roy Keane who's got four so mainly for impact um, yeah Roy Keane makes it the sixth place for me um in fifth, I have got uh, a player who played a, a lot of years next to Roy Keane um, and is highly regarded by him as Paul Scholes. Um, a few stats for Paul Scholes. I mean, the main one for him is that he um, he's won 11 Premier Leagues and only one man has got more than, more than that. Um, you know, he had goals... He was around for a long time. He retired and then came back years later and still one of the best players at a club like Man United. Just the talent that Paul Scholes had. Um, and it was a real shame from an England point of view to see him played out of position and, and, and teams not based around Paul Scholes because he, the likes of Xavi, the likes of Zidane um, and many other players across the globe, when they're asked who who they think is the best player they've played against or the player they wish they'd played with, they all say Paul Scholes. And, uh, and it just goes to show he could put a, he could put a football anywhere on the pitch um, under pressure. And it's mainly his passing range, but some of the goals he scored, his ability to volley the ball into the back of the net from you know, just sometimes directly from a corner. But there, there haven't been many players that I've watched live games that I've watched live where an opposition player has stood out when I've taken five minutes just to watch them. Um, Paul Scholes is one of them. So he's, he's fifth on my list. He's fifth in my list as well. You're talking about his volley goals. I don't think I've ever seen a player strike the ball so cleanly as him, but some of those fantastic goals and he's got some iconic goals as well, especially when you speak about him coming out of retirement, the last minute winner against Manchester City, uh, what, that's certainly one that stands out. He seemed to just keep on going and still maintain the high standard that was expected of him. And when you when you can sort of stroll around the middle of the park and just hit a fifty yard ball without you know just without the blink of an eye and uh, just brush it off as yeah that's just what I do. There was actually uh, talk about like stories. The one with Roy Keane. There was one I saw quite a while back, but it was about between Paul Scholes and Cristiano Ronaldo. And it was at a training session. And um, Ronaldo, had, I think he performed really, really well, as you'd expect of someone of his calibre. And um, Paul Scholes, instead of a challenge of, you got to hit this post or whatever. This It might have been a tree, it might have been a post, but you've got to hit it from about you know 50 yards away. And Ronaldo took attempt after attempt after attempt and didn't, him make the connection once. Paul Scholes just did it once. That was enough for him. Hit it straight on. And that's what he brought, right? The passing range was when when I when I played Sunday League, the I'd say that my best asset was probably long passing and that's because I just watched so many videos of Paul Scholes just distributing the ball, trying to get the same technique, obviously getting nowhere near it, 
but um, he's a kind of player that I sort of idolised, especially when it came to just passing the football, because I don't think there are many players, even today, that are ever going to come close to his standard. No, no, absolutely. We wax lyrical about Paul Scholes for a long time, but um, there's only so much time on this podcast so. <laughs> that, that, that is absolutely true so we'll go on to uh, centre mid number four and I th- I, I'd imagine that as we've gone we've got the same for the first two that the uh, the third is also uh, no surprises you know all-time Chelsea top goal scorer three Premier League titles now the manager of Chelsea it's got to be Frank Lampard for me another one just the way he arrived on the edge of the box at the right time almost every single time that positional awareness and he was at Chelsea for so long I think he's obviously a legend of the game he's a legend for Chelsea I re- he's such a likeable guy as well that I believe that he can be a legend as a manager as well because out of all of the midfielders that we've mentioned I think as a person Frank Lampard is He's my favourite out of those four, but I think he's one of my favourite footballers as a person of all time. He's just a very genial person. He's an incredibly intelligent person. And if he can bring that to Chelsea as a manager, he's made a good start considering, well, I'd say he's restricted. In terms of Chelsea, I mean, to say restricted to another club might be like, come on, hang on. But for Chelsea, that he's not being allowed to sign players. He's now brought, he's bringing in youth. He's bringing in his own style. And I think that's made... Chelsea such a likeable club at the moment with the way that he's being bringing his own philosophy but you know we're talking this list is about him being a player all-time Chelsea goal scorer three Premier League titles and he's incredibly high up the Premier League all-time scorers list so that's why he comes out on top for me Like the, whenever I've whenever I've had the debate of you know the the age old debate of Lampard or Gerrard, it's Lampard for me every time because he's just an absolutely fantastic player and he just nonchalantly can smack one from thirty yards into the top corner. Now I know Gerrard can do exactly the same, but I as I said, Lampard as a person, I, I just I, I I just really really like him. I think he's a really likable character. Not saying that Gerrard's not, but maybe his conduct at Rangers as a manager, sometimes irks me how, you know, he's quite new to the managerial field, but, you know, I've seen lots of stories about how he's always blaming the referees. So maybe he's a bit less likeable for me, but for Frank Lampard, yeah, he'd come out at the top as a player and as a person. I He's one of the people that I really hope he does well. I really, really hope that he succeeds at Chelsea. He is just one of my favourite footballers of all time. I think he's, uh, for me personally, I mean, he's fourth on my list. Um, I think the only other midfielder, the potentially central midfielder, um, and these are all, we must have got to say as well, this is all based on players that have already retired, so any that are still playing aren't eligible yet for the Hall of Fame. So uh, for anyone comments and, and talks about current current players, um, I, I think he is, um, I think he's a fantastic footballer. In terms of who would I want in, in my team, I would probably... Um, go with Steven Gerrard um, and that might sound contradictory to me putting Lampard up in fourth on this list and Gerrard in seventh but this is because it's um, based on the Premier League and what they've achieved in the Premier League and the trophies is the big thing Um, for me Gerrard was just more of an all-round player Um, Lampard was Lampard could give you a lot in and around the penalty area, um, and his stats are fantastic with goals and assists. But Gerard was um, someone who could was more likely to grab a game by the scruff of the neck. You'd see him back at left back one minute, then you'd see him furthest man forward another, then you'd see him spraying passes and um, dictating a game. And those are certain things that I don't think Lampard necessarily possessed the ability to do. But what he was good at, he was probably the best at. 
uh, the Premier League's ever seen, and that was arriving at the right time. Um, it was like a whenever he got on the box, he was like a fox in the box, but not a striker. So um, he would assist, but, but just his goal scoring record and being in the right place at the right time. Scoring goals in the Premier League is not easy, and Frank Lampard made it look easy. The reason he's fourth in my list and above those others, um, I'll just read his stats, um, because I put these stats down for all these players, and, and he's one of two that I actually had to go into a second line for, because he's done everything. He's won three Premier Leagues. He's third in the all-time appearances, Premier League appearances, um, he's fifth for goals and he's a, he's a central midfielder I know he's on penalties but there are only four players who've scored more goals in the Premier League ever than, than Frank Lampard fourth for assists he just and, and he was in the team of the year three times and, and you'd argue that he should have been in there more um, but my point is that he he was up there he wasn't top for any of these but he was up there and in the top five for everything so in terms of his consistency um, and statistics his fitness levels were great so he was third for appearances he was goals and assists he was up there he's won medals um, I just think all of that contributes to uh, a future Premier League Hall of Famer and as you mentioned I don't think he could do any wrong at Chelsea so much so that he got the manager's job that um, he definitely wouldn't have got if he hadn't had the playing career at Chelsea so, yeah, good luck to him. Um, uh, he doesn't quite make the top three, but he's uh, he's the best of the rest, in my opinion. And then when we go on to the top three, um, that was pretty easy. I, I feel like we've got a top three, and then we've got another set of players after that. I think it's just in what order we put the top three, um, in my opinion. I think there's quite a big jump from fourth to third. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. Like these, the three players, well, the, certainly the three players that I have, I think, have just been, when you think of the Premier League era, these are, it would be quite a bit, uh, quite shocking if these three were certainly not one of the first players that you thought of. But before we go into our top three, as you said, there is a, is a jump. Are there any players that, you know, sort of get the honourable mentions, players that you really had a tough time thinking, should they be in my top 10 and then leaving them out? So for me, you know, as, as a Southampton fan, Matt Letizia, always a bit of bias, uh, certainly thinking of trying to include him in my top 10. But if we're going on, you know, Premier League titles, then Matt Letizia isn't really going to come anywhere near some of the players that we've got. But as an individual talent, he certainly possessed ridiculous technical ability. He's one of um Zavi's favorite players of all time um the the range of goals that he scored were some of them were simply outrageous and uh, there's a a level of arrogance about them especially that free kick against Wimbledon where he just flicks it up and bangs it over the wall for me another player that I'd have in um we haven't one position that we haven't mentioned at all is that of a goalkeeper and I think Edwin van der Sar is certainly one that comes to mind when you think you know oh no he was sort of, it was late in his career that he went to Manchester United, but he was fantastic at Fulham. But when he's gone to Manchester United, he's still carried on. Nobody really thought, that would he carry on that form? Would he sort of go down in quality quite quickly? No, he picked himself up. He's won, he won them. He won the titles. He won the Champions League in 2008 in the penalty shootout. Um, that's one player that stands. Those are, those are two players that stand out for me as possible inclusions but who 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 missed out for you? You mentioned Didier Drogba. Is that is he your main player that just come couldn't make the cut? It's a good point because there are a lot of players I could have mentioned, um, and a lot of players actually. If there are any in your top ten that we've missed because we've been doing this alternate method, um, please mention them. But yeah, I, I mean Matt Letizier is is the best player. Um, I've ever seen playing live consistently, especially at St Mary's, um, and it's just a human highlight reel. And a lot of um, people recognise that around the game. The fact that he didn't leave Southampton, he sacrificed trophies, means that he doesn't make it to the top ten. But in terms of talent, 
fantastic. You talk about goalkeepers. Um, I think Schmeichel will probably be my best goalkeeper of all time. But Van der Sar, Seaman, um, Petr Cech, they all deserve honourable mentions. The, I had a top 12. Um, and as I mentioned, Canton, I made it into ninth. Um, I had Drogba at 10th, Bergkamp 11 and Company 12. So those those were the, the players that I considered um, for this. I also briefly looked at Van Persie because he was a PFA Player of the Year. He got the Golden Boot twice. Um, yeah, he's, he won that Premier League title when he moved to Man United. Uh, 12 full-time top goal scorer. Team of the Year twice, so he was brilliant. And then just, just for me, some, some maverick players that maybe didn't win the trophies and didn't consistently perform at the highest level, but your Decanios, um, your Gianfranco Zolas of this world, who just, in terms of uh, character and ability and talent, just lit up the Premier League at times. And they're just players that I remember from the Premier League and that, um, that I think are, are part of the fabric of that great competition. Just a quick story. I remember when I, my dad's told me the story when I would go to the Dow when I was younger. He, he recalled uh, a time we were walking around pitch side, probably to our seats, um, and I just sort of stopped and um, without blinking, I was just in awe watching uh, Gianfranco Zola, who was just he was just doing some keepy ups and and some tricks and flicks, um, probably in his in his top that was three sizes too big for him and his baggy shorts below his below his knees. But those sorts of players, the ones that that don't quite make it into the top ten and the Hall of Fame because they don't quite have the stats and the trophies to back it up. But the the flair and the, and the talent, um, I think we'll always will always remember from from the last how long's the Premier League been going nearly thirty years. I mean, there are so many good players that we could, I mean, we, we could spend hours, we could spend the rest of quarantine discussing all of the fantastic players that have been in the Premier League. But we've got to, we got to, we got to now go down and nail it, nail down our three. So I'm not sure if we've got the same players. I'd be surprised if we didn't, but it just depends on what order we've got them in. So who is in, so who, who would be in third place for you? Manchester United rather than Newcastle but with that trophy under his belt 
and hoping that he would win something with his boyhood club. I think he could um, he could make that move, and it would have been a bit of a travesty if he hadn't won a Premier League in his uh, in his career. But he, I mean, everything I've said has been waxing lyrical about him. But there are two players that I think just hip him in, in my opinion. I mean, could you imagine if you know he 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 got that total of goals playing for Saints, Blackburn, and Newcastle? I mean, could you imagine if he had made the move to one of the you know, the Manchester United, the Liverpool's, the Arsenal's, so just what that tally would have been at the end. I mean, it, the number of goals just doesn't bear thinking about. It'd be, it'd be absolute carnage on the front line. I think, for me, he actually comes second. So I believe that I, I, I put him second just because he does have that stat of being the all-time Premier League goal scorer. He does have that one Premier League title. I think that's what got him... Because obviously we are looking at stats here, but because he is the all-time goal scorer, I think that put him just ahead of the player I've got in third place. And the player I've actually got in third, um, myself, is is Thierry Henry. And I think it was just a matter of time before he was going to be mentioned on our on our list. He brought is that silkiness, is the acceptable arrogance to the game. You know, he's won two Premier Leagues, been in the Team of the Year six times. He's won the golden boot four times. Yeah, he? He, he absolutely did, and he even got a, a golden boot and most assists in one season. But you've Thierry, Thierry Henry is just—he's an icon. He's an—he's an iconic forward. When you think of Arsenal, I know we've been saying if you think of a certain club, you think of this player. But when you think of Arsenal, you think of—you think of Thierry Henry. And I know on a couple of occasions when we've been doing our commentary. You've discussed about how Henri is. You, you're a big admirer, aren't you, Callum? Oh, yeah. He, in my opinion, he's the best player to ever play in the Premier League. Um, he, he's second on my list for the Hall of Fame. So I presume that we must have, um, unless there's some sort of um, lapse or we've forgotten about someone, we must have the same person in number one. Because I've got Shearer at three and Henri at two. Um, but in terms of talent and ability and uh, arrogance and just flair, and he, he just he was exceptional. Like I could watch Thierry Henry. He was another player that I noticed when I was watching as a supporter of Southampton, watching Southampton play. Not many times do you give the opposition any credit, but Thierry Henry, you couldn't help but notice what he was doing to to the to your team's defence. Um, Got his first goal at the Dow. That will kickstart things. And it was a slow start for him. He came over from France in the late 90s. But he is the other player who's got two PFA Player of the Years. Um, well, do you know what year it was? Did you say it was Golden Boot and Top Assist? No, it's 2002 to 2003 where he got the Golden Boot and most assists. I mean, that is quite something to get both of those. In one year, we got the um, a, a rating of 97 on FIFA. I th- that's only just come to my mind, but when uh, the players were certainly a little bit more overpowered, 97 on re, pick him, put him up front every single time. The opposition have no chance. Derby and scored and obviously he's got that um, 
that statue of himself and that celebration. The one where he did something similar to Liverpool and left their entire team um, on the floor with the dummy and then scored. I mean, you could go through so many goals. But yeah, I just don't think there's been a better player in the Premier League um, at their peak. And, uh, and he was, he was an unbelievable player for, for Arsenal. And without him, um, there's no chance that he would have been uh, the invincibles that they historically were. And I almost, just just going off on a slight a slight tangent regarding Henri, and th- this is an argument I'm going to bring Drogba into, but I think the legacy that he left at Arsenal and the legacy that Drogba left at Chelsea, it's almost a disappointment that they did go back for that short stint. I mean, Henri was on loan from, I think, he was, I think it was New York Red Bulls, and Drogba came back to Chelsea. And you think, well, if Drogba hadn't gone back to Chelsea, it, his last kick in a Chelsea shirt would have been that Champions League winning penalty. Um, Henri Ye did score on his debut back, but then he seemed to struggle with the physicality of the Premier League. Obviously, he was at the very end of his career. And you think, obviously, it's going to take a lot to tarnish any reputation that you've had when you're, you know, you're that talented. But it almost just takes the... Um, the romantic ending of it away to go back and then maybe put in a few subpar performances. I don't know what what do you think about that? Henri and Skulls you could bring into that argument as well. He came back after retirement, but the fact that at their peak they were so good for their teams that they've gone away and then um, in Henri's case Maybe five years later, um, a top four Champions League side in Arsenal still think that he will add something to their team um, and improve, probably brought in mainly to improve those around him, the likes of Van Persie's um, players like that. But yeah, I think that's testament to, to what a player he was and, and what Arsenal fans and of course Arsene Wenger thought of him. Um, even to that point, because I think he, he left in 2006 and then went back to 2000 and what, maybe 11, something like that, was it? So I think, yeah, 2011, 2012, all I remember is that Arsenal had that weird um, diagonal away kit that was sort of dark blue on the top and then a diagonal start with the light blue underneath. I think that was the 8-2 that they lost to Man United as well. He wasn't in the team at that point. Um, he came back, I think, during January, February time. Sunderland, I remember, I remember those those things. But anyway, yeah, he's um, an unbelievable player. But who is number one? I mean, it's got to be the same for both of us, surely. Well, he's left-footed. He's got a huge number of Premier League assists. It's Gareth Barrett. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't stop myself there. Uh, I mean, it's one player, and isn't it? You know, is it? I'd be surprised, very surprised, if you don't have the same. It's got to be Ryan Giggs, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing Gareth Barry beats him on is, is um, his Premier League appearances. Um, other than that, he couldn't, couldn't lace his boots. I mean, Ryan Giggs has got the second most appearances in the Premier League behind the great Gareth Barry. But he's got the most Premier League trophies ever. He's won 13 Premier League trophies. When you consider that a player, if they're lucky, will play 20 seasons, like, it, like if they start their career at 18 and they play until they're 38, that's, 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 and, and some of them might get sort of injuries during seasons, he's, he's won 13 titles in that time. And that's a time when Arsenal were contenders. That's a time when Chelsea had that period of, of two or three years um, and of course, Man City towards the end of it, and he is someone who has seen many transformations under Sir Alex Ferguson, and he has been there throughout. You know, he won the treble, uh, which I think is the greatest achievement of, of any team in the Premier League. Um, he won two Champions Leagues. I know we're talking about the Premier League, but um, I, I don't care because he <laughs> he's, he's number one. So, uh, but my point is that he he 
was part of that team in that class of 92. He was the first one to come through. So he was playing with those Cantona sides early on. Then, then he played in the, the um, obviously the treble winning side. Then he went through that period where they had uh, him and Van Nistelrooy and Veron up top. And then there was a period where they had to um, let Chelsea do what they were doing and Arsenal with the Invincibles and kind of a big transition. And when Rooney and Ronaldo, etc., came in, he was there to see them come in as, as raw talents and to help nurture them on the pitch. And he was there still and then he's scoring like every single season um, that he was at the club for, which was a ridiculous ridiculous amount. I remember him scoring at somewhere like Wigan in this last season towards the end of the season in like April just to keep that um, going along and everyone was you know, everyone was willing him to do it. And uh, yeah, and, and on top of that, like you said, he um, he's number one for assists all time as well. No one has set up more goals in the Premier League. So Shearer is your top goal scorer. But Ryan Giggs is the man who's created the most goals. Um, and he's in team of the year six times so I mean yeah that, that's what more can you say well, and also yeah. the players who play for United um, they've had some unbelievable players but all of them especially the class of 92 but also uh, like Roy Keane for instance they all say and even the guys who've come and gone the, the foreign players they all say that Ryan Giggs was the best um, of all those players so uh, yeah, what else do you want to add to that really <laughs> Well, I was just going to they use, you know, the highest four assists. Could you imagine him and Shearer in the same team? I mean, it would just be well, if it if it if it happened, it would have just been absolutely incredible. I think Ryan gives you know thirteen Premier Leagues scored in every single season, six team of the years. He's just an absolute wizard. That left foot is. Incredible, and you know he stayed at Manchester United for the entirety of the time. Probably has one of the best win rates as a Man United manager as well for those that short stint he had after David Moyes. Um, obviously, there were a few off-field things that 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 did happen. He's the manager of Wales, and even his own, I think his own father said he still wasn't, you know, too happy with what had happened. He would, he he didn't really want to support Wales that much, but you know. We are judging this on statistics, and Ryan Giggs is, you know, such a decorated player. And you know, we we don't we, we talk about this is the Premier League, but diff- when you think of iconic goals, that one where Ryan Giggs as a as a youngster has run in the FA Cup from the halfway line against Arsenal, um, the with swinging the shirt around as he's running back. I mean, there are so many iconic moments when you think of Ryan Giggs, and. Absolutely. What a player. So that does conclude our top 10 with Ryan Giggs leading the way into the Premier League Hall of Fame. We couldn't quite decide on Shearer and Henri of who was going to be uh, joining us. You know, we did we did alternate choices. So that that concludes this episode. Now, we're going to try and get some more out for you just to, you know, give you that football fix during this isolation. Um, if you have anything, as we said at the beginning of the episode, is there, if there's any dis- topics you want, you'd like discussed in that time, then, you know, drop a comment, give send a message to myself or Callum. Um, we hope you've enjoyed the episode. Do apologise for the long time that it's been since we last uh, put an episode out, but we're going to hopefully bring you some exci- more exciting content over the next um, next few weeks. We haven't got much uh, to talk about at the moment, but yeah, if there are any Liverpool fans who can't believe that Stephen Gerrard is down all the way down in seventh, or, or, or any Spurs fans who don't understand how Sol Campbell's made it into the top ten, um, or, or, or even a, you know, any Geordies who, who are struggling to understand how how we only came third in uh, in a list, um, it doesn't doesn't make it. You know, it's all about opinions. If you've got any players we haven't mentioned, 
mean, we didn't even mention Patrick Vieira, for instance. So many players that we probably haven't mentioned. Um, just, just chuck it in the comments, and um, everyone's got opinions, and, and you won't agree with with everything we've said. But that's that's what it's all about, and we'll we'll try and bring a few more uh, polls like this, um, some some more tier lists and rankings, and then just some general discussion about, like we said, all things football and all things Saints. And until next time, just remember to stay at home, protect the NHS and save lives. We hope that you're all keeping safe. Um, so from myself, Tom Murray, goodbye. And it does. Well, hopefully this episode has not been pointless. Until next time, thank you very much for listening and keep safe.